I'm Terry Woods. I'm here with another episode in our special Christmas series of Texas Storytellers. Yes, we're brought to you by Woodlands Online, and you can watch us on their Roku station, find us on Facebook, listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and others. And this special series is sponsored by Urban Beat. Today, I get to read a story that was written by one of our listeners. It was a submission uh, from the special Christmas contest. His name, John McEwen. The story, The Bell. And I've got my Christmas spectacles, so I'll read it to you. The day was like the last 36 days at the mall for Santa. The lines were starting to form to see him and demand this and that, kids fussing with each other, parents calming them down, but doing no good. Santa sat at his work, woodworking table whittling on a train. It was the last piece of a four-piece train set he had made for one of his elves' children that was autistic. His alarm went off to let him know he had 10 minutes to pick up, slip on his heavy, hot jacket for the long shift at the mall. As Santa approached the chair, children started yelling, Santa! Santa! Like he didn't know they were there from all the noise they were making before. Santa smiled and waved, ho, 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 ho. Santa seated himself and nodded to the elf. The elf opened the line and the day started and it started off just like every other. Two hours into the shift, the network started dropping off, making it hard to print photos. This added to the already long wait times. But by letting the line know what was going on, they were okay with it since it wasn't us. Santa got up and looked at the line. It was long and tense. Santa stretched and waved, then stepped down from the chair. The elves started looking at, at him to see what he was gonna do. What was he up to? Santa went to the line. If you're here just to see and visit with Santa, raise your hand, please. Hands started shooting up. All right now, I'm going to pick or take the first five families in line that are here to see me so we can shrink this line when the computers come back up. The five families moved forward and no one complained. Santa went back to his chair. The elves brought in the first family. The next few visits went well and the elves brought in the next five families. Santa could see people were okay with how things were working out. The line was moving, even though no photos were, being, were able to be done, but they didn't lose their spot. It was about the 14th family that came up that changed everything that happened. Santa saw this little meek mousy girl with cute 
red curls, and deep green eyes. Well, hello there. And what is your, what is your wee folk? Santa asked playfully. The little girl looked up, tears starting to well up in her eyes. My, my, my Nana used to call me that, the little girl said, then ran and hugged Santa tight. Santa looked over at the mother who was standing there, visibly shaking and not moving. Santa hugged the girl and pulled her away a bit. Now, now, what's all this? If you don't talk to me, how do I know what it is that you need? The little girl whipped the tears away from her eyes and looked at Santa with those green eyes. Santa, I need a bell. Santa looked at the mother for some kind of clue, but got no help from her, then looked at the elves. None of them knew any toy that had to do with a bell. So a bell, you say? What type of bell are you asking for? You haven't even told me your name, Santa said. The little girl drew her shoulders as if to compose herself, which Santa thought was very grown up for a girl of maybe six years old. My name is Grace. I am six and a half years old and I was Nana's wee folk. Was? Santa thought. I want a bell so my Nana can get her wings. She passed away last week and I didn't hear any bells when she went. So I want a bell so I can make sure she gets her wings. Santa's heart broke and the tears started to fall. Santa, that's all I wish for, please. Grace begged. As Santa cried, he reached up and took the silver bell that he wore in his braid and gave it to her. Funny thing is that the ring sounded 10 times louder than normal. For you see, everyone in earshot had heard Grace's story and was also crying. And they were telling the story to others and they started crying. Grace, Santa started. You have reminded everyone here what the true meaning and spirit of Christmas truly is. And I thank you for giving us that gift. Now I give you this bell of silver so your Nana may find her wings and your worries will ease. And with that, Santa handed Grace the silver bell. Grace took the bell so gently and rolled it over and looked at the engravings on it. Then she hugged Santa and turned, ringing the bell. Mama, Nana can have her wings now. People started clapping and hugging and wishing the family Merry Christmas as they left. The mother looked back at Santa and lipped and Merry Christmas as they left. Santa stood up. Folks, 
Santa said in a loud voice, kind of crackly. Santa needs a few minutes to compose himself, if you don't mind. That was just amazing and one for the books. People clapped as Santa stepped up and Santa went to the hallway behind the doors out of sight and cried. When Santa returned, the computers were back up, the network was fine, and the lines were back to running. But there was a change. The people in line were happy. Some singing carols with storm music, some telling stories and jokes, but no complaining, no yelling, no negativity. <sighs> some, when they came to see Santa, thanked him for what he did and what he said. To this day, that day was a special place in Santa's heart. And yes, I still wear my bell. Oh, that was a wonderful story. I just might have to go away for a few minutes and compose myself. <sighs> and since I do need to, a few minutes to maybe to reread the story, it was that good. My friend Mark Hader and his wife Kay are back again. Yeah. Remember, this section is sponsored by that new place, um, Urban Beat. Mark Hader has his own story about Christmas to tell. Mark, take it away. People weren't exactly beating the door down to get into Frank's Tasty Freeze on Christmas Eve. The entire lunch crowd consisted of the Pomeroy family and Arnold Bounder. The Pomeroys were going to Jake's sister's house in Maypole for supper and Jack thought that uh, they'd get some burgers for lunch before heading out. Four combo meals, one foot long chili dog, two big Frank burgers, and four tacos. Not much of a Christmas fare, but the four Pomeroys seemed pleased. So pleased that both Pomeroy girls squeezed the bicycle horn before leaving. The horn was mounted near the door, just below a sign that read, Honk if you enjoyed your Tasty Freeze experience. At the sound of the horn, Ray yelled enthusiastically, Yeehaw, y'all come back! Would you please not do that today, Kate said. The boss is not even here. Do you think I enjoy acting like an idiot, Ray said. Look, Frank told us to yell when we hear the horn. I don't know why, I just do what the boss says. It wouldn't hurt you to, you know, do it now and again. No, your yeehaw can stand on its own, Kate said. Ray gave her a raised eyebrow look, and then imitated a detective he once saw in an old black and white movie. It was a, a look of exasperation that you'd have to see to appreciate. Kate could not hold back the laugh. She never could with Ray. She didn't understand uh, why that was. Look, Dilbert, she said, one more time, tell me why you let the boss pressure you into working on Christmas Eve. Ray ignored the comment and walked over to the booth where Arnold was staring into uh, a cup of coffee. Ray plopped himself down in the seat across from Arnold and looked hard at the guy. Look, Mr. Bounder, 
Mr. Bounder, look at me, please. Here's what you do. Let us get you one of those Santa ice cream cakes from the freezer. You take it home to Mrs. Bounder and the kids, and you'll tell them you're sorry. That you just had one of those sinking spells, but now you're all better. Mr. Bounder looked slowly up from his coffee and gave Ray a wink that turned into a smirk. Ray, you're a swell kid, but you don't have a clue. No clue? Have you ever tasted a Santa ice cream cake? It's, well, it's, it's going to change your life. Once you take a bite of that cake, you can do nothing but smile. I'm not lying. It's a group hug magnet. And best of all, it's 50% off. Ray yelled across the room, Kate, grab the Santa cake and ring up $8. No, make it five. He turned back to Mr. Bounder. Hey, that thing's not going to get sold today. And, uh, you know, we're closed tomorrow. Just, just take it with you. Arnold Bounder climbed out of the booth, handed Ray $5, and then hugged him. You are absolutely nuts, Raymond. Merry Christmas. Kate ran up with the cake. Merry Christmas, Mr. Bounder. Remember, you're not alone. Things will get better, starting with the cake. The beard and the white part of Santa's hat are vanilla. Everything else is red velvet cake. It's heavenly. Ray added, and if there is any left over, you know where I live. Ray walked back to the counter with Kate falling close. Um, so, why did you agree to work today, Kate said. What could possibly... Mr. Bounder grabbed hold of the bicycle horn. Honk, honk. Ray let out a, yee-haw, you come back now. Arnold waved as the door closed behind him. There was the briefest of pauses before Kate gave Ray a punch to the shoulder. Would you please not do that? Now look, answer my question. Ray tossed his dish rag across the counter where it landed in the sink. He gave the universal two-finger-down sign for two points, and then he opened the register and put in the five dollars and added ten of his own. Why did he volunteer to work on Christmas Eve? Truth is, he told Frank that he had worked, but only if Frank could persuade Kate to help out. He saw it was an opportunity to be alone with the one girl whose company he most enjoyed, a girl who would never see him as more than a hometown friend. It was his plan to walk away with the memory of the one Christmas Eve they both shared. Ray was not aware if Frank had grasped the implication uh, of his request, and for once he didn't care. It was indeed a step toward boldness. It was boldness born of desperation. He knew he would soon be headed for Angelo State to start the spring semester. He had just finished his sophomore year at the community college in Childress, and he had only raised enough money for the spring semester at San Angelo. He'd figure out the rest later. Look, Katie did. If not us, who would work today? I've got, I, I've got no life. I, I, I live with my parents who are incredibly at this moment headed to Vernon to visit Aunt Mary in the home. I love my aunt, but can't take the home. Working Christmas Eve gave me an excuse to miss out this year. Suddenly, the door of the 92 gray Buick slammed outside, slammed twice, a nanosecond after the slams, two boys, eight and six, rushed and headed straight to the restrooms in the back. The mom caught the door, meekly smiled, and she entered. Uh, 
do, do you know how hard it is to find a restroom late on Christmas Eve, she said. I think you may be uh, the only one between here and Dallas. Well, you're just about right, Ray said. Can I get you anything? The lady shook her head. I I'm sorry. Uh, she sat down at the table nearest the restroom to wait. Ray wrestled with the notion of pressing just a little. So, you've got family in Dallas. Uh, that place is booming. She smiled and said, uh, no, we're, we're headed for Longview. I've got a brother there who is going to let us stay till, uh, <clears throat> till things get sorted. I would have left earlier, but I, I had to work last night and uh, at the mall in Abilene. I, uh, it was uh, pretty crowded yesterday, and it was good to get to, to work. About that time, two boys rushed out of the bathroom. Mommy, can we get something? Mom got up, told them to sit and wait for her while she went to the restroom. Don't move and don't bother anyone, she said. As soon as she left, the boys obediently sat and stared at the ice in the field beyond the parking lot. Ray yelled over to them. Hey, uh, do you guys mind giving me a hand back here? Ray was standing behind the counter waving them on. The two kids exchanged glances and then ran to help. Minutes later, Mom exited the restroom to see her boys sitting at the counter trying to fill a napkin holder. Kate was giving instructions while Ray was making the burgers. I am so sorry, Mom said. Uh, uh, come on, Thad and Will. Uh, we've got to go, kids. Sorry, ma'am, Ray said. I'm afraid the boys already placed an order. Not to worry, they're working it off right now. The mom found herself somewhere between humiliation and extreme gratefulness. It's a thin line sometimes. Kate sensed the dilemma and handed her towel to Ray. Finish up, big guy, she said. She led Mom to a booth, and the two sat and chatted. It was a good visit. Ray moved two tables together, and they all sat and ate burgers, onion rings, and fries, and washed it all down with malts and sodas. Ray and Kate weren't really all that hungry, but, but Ray thought the moment would be less awkward for Deanna, the mom, if, if they all shared a meal. Before leaving, Ray lifted Thad and Will and let them each honk the horn. They all had to say, Yeah, y'all come back. After each honking, even Kate joined in. She never looked lovelier to Ray. As the Buick headed out, Ray walked over to the cash register, rang up the tab, and paid for the bill. Kate walked over and shook her head. You're a real wonder, Ray Palmer. Do you know that? And how much did you slip into Deanna's purse? Hey, my folks and I agreed not to exchange gifts, so I had to do something. But forget that. Now it's your turn to tell me why you decided to work today. Oh, that's easy, Kate said. I'm saving for college. Dad said he'd match whatever I can raise, and I knew he was paying double time, so I jumped at the chance. You're kidding, Ray said. He sure didn't make that deal with me. Kate shot back. He did, too. He told me we were both getting double. Ray smiled. Yeah, Frank had him figured out. I'm going to San Angelo State next fall, Kate said. You know, I, I might even get a scholarship. Uh, I'm sure you will. Every volleyball coach is looking for a good setter. I've noticed that you're pretty good, and I must say you look strangely attractive in your volleyball shorts. Strangely attractive? What do you mean by that? Too bold. He was headed for Rejection City. Probably be the elected mayor. So he ignored the question, looked kid. I doubt we get um, many more customers. Why don't you head over to your boyfriend's house? I'll, I'll fill out the timesheet for you. I doubt your dad will fire either one of us for that. 
What time sheet? And what boyfriend? You mean Corey? Her laugh came out as more of a snort. Really? Well, you think what you want, Mr. Yeha. Corey and I are not dating. But seriously, you don't need me here? Ray tried to sound persuasive. Look at this place. We're a, a restroom with a kitchen. Kate nodded, walked behind the counter to get her purse, and gave Ray a quick peck on the cheek, and then headed for the door. Merry Christmas, Raymond Palmer. She squeezed the horn before leaving. There was no response from Ray, so she turned and gave him a questioning look. Ray smiled and quietly said, Yeha, you come back. Kate shook her head and then got into her dad's old pickup and drove off. Ray walked over to the booth nearest the counter and plopped himself down. He placed his legs across the bench seat and leaned his back against the wall. Looking out the window across the room, he sat and stared at nothing in particular. He wasn't in his trance long before the sound of the opening door startled him out of his deep think. He looked up to see an exasperated-looking Kate. The girl walked briskly to the counter and tossed her purse behind it. She then picked up her apron, strapped it on. With her hands on her hips and her weight shifted slightly to the right, she said, Okay, Mr. Palmer, tell me exactly what you meant by strangely attractive. There were no more customers at Frank's Tasty Freeze for the remainder of the shift. Oh, little Emily Bounder, following her mother's instructions, did bring over a deep bowl of Santa cake for them. It was delivered with a hug. It's the bestest cake we ever had, she said, then added, Oh, and the hug was from Mommy. Kate and Ray sat across from one another in the booth and just talked. They took only a couple of bites of the cake, sharing the same spoon. At one point, Kate pushed the bowl to the side and reached over and took hold of Ray's hand. Ray was pretty sure his heart might explode. At one point, Kate brought up the topic of her having a boyfriend. She said that Corey only took her out a couple of times. He was much too immature for her. So, uh, what's, what is it you're looking for? Ray asked. What? What makes you think I'm looking for something? What are you getting at, sir? Ray apologized and assured her that he was just making conversation and that he didn't mean to offend her by prying into her dating preferences. Kate feigned disgust and asked what difference it made to him who she dated. You ask me, you're acting a bit jealous, Mr. Palmer. Ray smiled a wry smile as if he were uh, giving thought to the implication. In truth, he was giving great thought as to what to say next. Should he show his cards and run the risk of being humiliated by rejection? Or should he hide his cards and take part in the childish banner? He hated childish banner. Look, Kate, darling, I mean nothing. I mean, I don't mean anything. So tell me what you're getting for Christmas. Katie, darling, a bit forward if you ask me. About time. You're, you're a hard case, Ray Palmer. Do you know that? Kate jumped up, rounded the table, and shoved uh, Ray's legs off the bench <clears throat> and plopped herself down practically in his lap. They sat there and talked uh, way past closing time. Eventually, the boss called to see why his daughter had yet to make it home. She said, Daddy, you would not believe the crowd. Frank said, Indeed, I would not. He then assured her that she and Ray were not getting paid overtime at that moment, but that he sensed that it didn't matter all that much to either one of them. Oh, and by the way, he said, 
How about bringing home the Santa cake, assuming it's still there? Kate was laughing as she hung up the phone. She hurried over to the booth and resumed her position next to Ray. The time sped and ended with the awkward honking of a bicycle horn. The honk was not followed by yay-haw, but what did follow were a sustained caress and a closing-time kiss. It's a perfect ending to the Tasty Freeze Christmas Eve. Thanks for joining me. Oh, well, I was glad to have that little bit of time. Thank you, Mark. That was a great story. I need my spectacles one more time because I know you're getting excited about our sponsor. Oh, aren't you? Oh, I know you love the stories. But Texas Storytellers Christmas Series is brought to you and sponsored by Herb and Beat. Urban Beat sponsors with local farms and vendors for the freshest food possible. It's located at 448 Sawdust Road, The Woodlands, Texas, on the corner of Sawdust and Booty Road. Now go check them out and find out where you can get a copy of that story. I just loved it. For today, I'm Terry Woods, Texas Storytellers. Brought to you by Woodlands Online. And you can find us on Woodlands Online, their Roku station, Facebook. You can hear us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and others. Again, see you next time. <laughs>